welcome to the I Should Be Happier podcast miniseries, where two life coaches share practical tools for figuring out where your happiness is hiding. No love and light, no hollow mantras, just real tools to help your brain find what you're looking for. Let's go. Welcome, everyone. This is Meg Gluckman and Beth Freeman, and we are excited to have you here for episode three of I Should Be Happier, our podcast mini series about finding more happiness in your life. Where is it hiding? We're looking for it. We're going to share some tools with you. Today, we're going to share a tool that's probably one of the very first tools that we share with any of our clients. Um, and it's a really simple, straightforward tool, but it gives us so much perspective on what we see as problems in our life. And before I introduce the tool, I'm going to tell a little story and then you'll see how the tool can be helpful. So here's the story. This is from probably about a year ago. And I, at that time had a 10 year old daughter. She's now 11. And we were having kind of a rough morning. Everything that I asked her to do or suggested she do, she just wanted to push back and, and kind of argue with me. And I got her out. We went for a walk and we were coming back. And I can't remember exactly what I asked her to do. It might've been something like unload the dishwasher or I feed the chickens. I don't remember what exactly it was. And she rolled her eyes at me in response. <laughs> Beth's grimacing. Nobody can see you grimacing, but you're grimacing. And I flipped out. I got so upset. I came into the house. I was slamming doors. I was yelling. I was just like, I, it was, if you had seen me, you probably would have seen steam coming out of my ears. Right. I was so upset that she had rolled her eyes at me and I blamed her. I blamed what she did for how I was feeling. Okay. That is, you know, before we start doing thought work, that's what we do right? We attribute how we're feeling to what somebody else has done to us, quote unquote. <clears throat> and in this case, it took me, it probably took me an hour or so to like fully cool down. And then because I am, you know, seeped in this thought work, and this is what I do, I try to understand my brain better and better. I actually started asking myself, what was I thinking in that moment? Because I know that what she does can't actually create the feeling of anger that I had. Like, like she can't literally like crawl inside my brain, crawl inside my blood and like make me feel angry. Right. She doesn't have that power, but I know that my thoughts the story that I make up about what she did, my thoughts have the power to make me feel that way. So I kind of went on a hunt to like figure out what that thought was in that moment. And what I realized 
was that I was thinking, remember she's 10 at this point. If this is how it's going to be until she's 18, I am not going to survive. So I was taking what she was doing in that moment and thinking like, if this is what her teenage years are going to be like, I cannot survive, right? That thought is what made me feel so rageful, right? And once I could see that thought, right? I mean, inherently, once I held it up and I could see it, I was like, oh, that's funny, right? Like, <laughs> like good job, human brain. Like- good job, human brain for creating that thought for me. <clears throat> but, you know, she's not going to be that way every day for the next eight years. And I've survived up to this point. There's no reason I can't survive <clears throat> through the next however many years. Um, <clears throat> so once I was able to see it, right, then, then I could really decide like, does that thought serve me? Do I want to keep thinking that thought? You know, and I made a choice not to, and I put a sticky note up on my wall to remind myself that I was not going to choose that thought again. Um, But what's also really interesting to point out just in this, this story is that this was not the first time she had ever rolled her eyes at me right? This girl is skilled. (laughs) She's, she's a natural born eye roller. Okay. So there were other days that she rolled her eyes at me and I did not have this reaction. And the reason I didn't have this reaction on other days was because I didn't have this thought on other days. Right. So I might've thought other things like, oh, she gets that from her mother. (laughs) (laughs) other days, or I might've thought that's kind of annoying, or I might've just totally brushed it off and not had any thoughts about it. But what made it different in this story is that I had the specific thought that like, if she keeps doing this till she's 18, like I'm not going to survive the teenage years. Right. Okay. That's my story. What the tool is, and perhaps you've already picked it up, is differentiating between what are our thoughts in the situation and what are the facts of the situation. So clearly I've explained to you what my thought was in the situation. The facts were she was walking into the house and she rolled her eyes at me, right? And that's, those are the facts of the situation. All of my feelings were not based on the facts, but they were based on my thoughts. And so why, why do we care about differentiating thoughts from facts? The reason, and you probably picked this up from my story too. The reason we care about that is because our thoughts are in our control. They are changeable right? The facts are fixed. Like this is what she did, but I have a choice about my thoughts and I can change my thoughts when I'm able to see them and differentiate them from the facts. Yes, that is exactly the tool we need. And 
separating the thoughts from the, the facts, the circumstance or your story from what actually happened just requires that little bit of space to step back and look at it. And we are humans and we are animals. And I'm going to bring it, my dog into this, not saying that about anything, but it's such a clear example. Like if my dog sees a squirrel, she doesn't stop and think what's the story, what I'm creating. Like it's just an instant reaction. And we have this gift as humans that we don't have to do that. We don't have to react that way. Mm-hmm. And our brains are exceptionally good at it when we know that that's an option to sit back and not associate what's happening with what happens inside our brains instantaneously. It's just that little bit of space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's what we're always practicing, um, in coaching, right. Is to be able to step back from, from these instances and to break, break it apart into the facts versus what we're thinking about. Yeah. Do you have any other stories you want to share Beth? I think anytime we're worrying about something is a perfect way to start noticing that we are making everything up in our own brain. In your story, like she rolled her eyes and you felt something very quickly. And after the fact, you were like, wait, there was a thought there. And what's fun about these anticipatory things is you're absolutely making it all up in your own brain. Mm -hmm. So one example that like stands out to me in its intensity was when I was about to quit a job one time. And for the previous, I don't know, three, five days or weeks even, like I was sick about it. My gut was churning. And the story I was telling myself was, one, you're being ridiculous, but also like, you know, they're gonna hate me. I'm going to hurt this business. These bosses, these people that are my friends and bosses are going to take this so badly. And all of that was just a story in my head. Obviously nothing had happened yet. Mm. And it's easy to see that that was just a story because when I sat down and told them what was happening, they were lovely and gracious and kind. And that ended up being the actual fact even though the story that was so painful that I had made up was that it was going to go horribly. So that was a long time of present that multiple days or weeks where I was making up a story that didn't serve me, that had me feeling sick Mm -hmm. and it was dissipated because it was so at odds with what the reality ended up being. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And so in that moment, right, before you told them, right, the facts of it might have been, I want to quit my job. Yeah. Right. Like, like I've decided to, or I want to quit my job. And then all your thoughts about it 
were making you feel nervous or anxious or worried, right? Absolutely. It didn't right. have to make me feel that way. Right. It did make me feel that way because of the story, mm-hmm. not because I set an appointment with my bosses on the work schedule. Right. Okay. So that would have been the fact then, right? Like I've set this appointment. I'm going to quit. Like that might be a fact yep. too. And here's all my thoughts about it. Right. And, and it's interesting, I think to, or helpful to just imagine other people with the, with the same facts, right? So there might be somebody else with the same facts who has a really different thought about it, you know, which is like, oh, I can't wait. I'm excited, (laughs) right? Like I'm excited for whatever next thing I want to be doing. Um, Somebody else might be feeling appreciative because, you know, perhaps it was a good job and you enjoyed working there. And so you're just kind of reflecting in gratitude about it, right? And perhaps you have even had other experiences where you did the same thing. You made an appointment and you were going to give notice or quit and you had different feelings and thoughts. Absolutely. I could have chosen a totally different story. I love the exercise of like, what would someone else think? Like you're not telling yourself you should, you're just Mm -hmm. showing that there's more options. Yeah. And I really... I really like going to the extremes with that. Like what would mother Teresa think in this situation or like, what would your least favorite politician think in this situation? And it just expands how many possibilities Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. somewhere in that spectrum is going to be something that feels good to Mm -hmm. you and Mm -hmm. that is useful in your present Mm -hmm. moment to feel the way you want to feel. Mm Right. Right. And I think when we start working with folks and when we both started doing this thought work ourselves, right. The first stage is just noticing kind of reflecting on what has already happened. Right. So, so me reflecting on this, you know, day with my eye rolling daughter, you reflecting on quitting this job and, and we can kind of almost like a detective, you know, look back and try to figure out like, what was, what was I thinking that was causing me to feel that way? What are the actual facts of the situation? And then as we get more and more attuned to differentiating between the facts and what our thoughts are, we can start really choosing in the moment or kind of preemptively for the future, right? What we want to be thinking, right? But what we're doing right now and what we're showing is just, this is how we all start. We start by reflecting on things that have already happened in the past. Yeah. Just that is super powerful. Like it's a baby step, but it's such an important one. Right. Like if you can do it for your past, the more you do it, it very, it's not super fast, but it very Mm -hmm. automatically brings itself into your present. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And for many of us too, we're, there's a good chance we're going to be exposed to the same facts. Again, we're going to be exposed to the same circumstance again, right? You might have another job that you're going to quit in the future, right? And 
by reflecting on this past one, you can, you can be more prepared next time, you know, to choose a different thought if you want to, if you want to choose a different thought and feel a different way. For me, I definitely have plenty of opportunities (laughs) to choose my thoughts when somebody, a child of mine rolls their eyes at me. Like that is an ever present, um, choice that I get to make. And how kind of your daughter to provide you with that. How kind of her. Yes. Um, and I should note that like, some people might be thinking like, you should be angry when your daughter rolls her eyes at you, right? Like that's impolite or it's um, not respectful, something like that, right? And what I want to just differentiate for folks is like, I didn't like how I felt and how I started acting when I was thinking the thought that I was thinking right? I didn't like what I did when I was feeling that angry, right? It doesn't mean that I don't decide, you know, to still parent her in some way that sets boundaries and sets consequences for different behaviors, right? Like I can still choose that and I can choose to think thoughts that have me feeling something that's closer to grounded or capable or certain or um, empowered, right? Versus angry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's what thought is going to be useful. Yes. And you can have the thoughts that are like, this is a behavior I would like to talk to my daughter about mm-hmm. without being angry because the angry wasn't useful. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just wasn't you. I mean, it's, so, it sent me so far in the wrong direction <laughs> in this particular case. Right. And like, I, I think we've talked about it before, but we're not saying necessarily that like, oh, anytime we feel a negative emotion, like we need to change our thoughts. So we don't feel a negative emotion. Like now, like being human involves us feeling positive and negative emotions. It's totally normal. Nobody gets out of life without feeling both. Um, but it's, it comes back to what you just said around, like, is it serving me? Do I like the behaviors that I, or the actions that I take when I'm feeling that way? Is it serving me in this moment? Yeah. And and the emotions that come up, like you're more likely to start thinking about thought work. If you notice you have a strong feeling, Mm. probably a strong negative feeling that you Mm -hmm. would like to change. And that can be a good way to start because the ways we react to strong negative emotions are usually not the most useful in our lives. Right. So if you let that strong negative emotion be your signal, like this is the time I start to do some thought work. I make sure that the story I'm telling about the situation in front of me is helpful. Mm -hmm. And so at the beginning, the thought work really might be trying to get rid of negative emotions Mm -hmm. just, Mm -hmm. and it will be super helpful. And at some point you're going to 
run out of these unuseful negative emotions and all that's left are ones that you want to keep. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. want to be sad when something sad happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you, maybe you don't want to be angry and rageful at your daughter, but maybe you want to be stern. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's the feeling you want to settle on. It's not all going to be rainbows and daisies and we don't want it to be. Right. Right. Yes. Completely. Completely. What you're mentioning that negative emotions are often kind of like what we start with. I think of so many of the first sessions that I've had with clients, it tend that's where we start. That's what we tend to start with, right? So, so many folks coming in, having really frustrated or resentful feelings about, you know, something their parent says to them on a regular basis or feeling really anxious about a decision that they want to make or, um, just feeling really kind of depressed about whatever something's going on in their life. Like, yeah, it's often those really strong negative emotions that we start with and we work through. Yeah. I think that's a really good thing to point out. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's your gateway to learning, I mean, this thought work really does change your life. If that's mm-hmm. your gateway, like that's amazing. Yeah. And I feel like it's going too far to say eventually you will thank yourself for that situation that was so horrible because it taught you something new. But, mm. you know, maybe that's something you'll think down the road <laughs> a ways. <laughs> We're not always, we don't always get there, right? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think at the core, this tool, right? This idea, this concept of differentiating what our thoughts are from the facts of the situation is about empowering us to know what's in our control, what we can change and what we can't, right? And what other people do and say certain circumstances around us, like we can't change those, but we have so much control over what we're thinking. And therefore, because our thoughts determine how we feel, we have so much control over how we want to feel. Right. Yeah. Anything else you want to add, Beth? I don't think so. I loved that summary. Like it matters that we know why and how we're reacting to something and that we claim it as our reaction, not anything inevitable. Mm -hmm. It's something that we create with our thoughts. Yeah. Wonderful. So good. All right. Thank you all for spending some time with us and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode. See you next time. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of I Should Be Happier. If you want to see how the coaching tools we shared today could apply to your life, then we invite you to schedule a free coaching consult call to learn more about working one-on-one with either of us. You can find a time that works for you on our websites. Meg is at meggluckman.com and Beth is at bethfreeman.coach. Come say hi on Instagram too, Meg Gluckman and Beth Freeman Coach. Till next time, take care.